Rink-wide Vancouver as the Canucks go into San Jose and absolutely smoke the Sharks 10-1 to the final score. This is Rink-wide Vancouver. It's a presentation of Betway. Jeff Patterson along with Chris Faber of Canucks Army and Canucks Convo, at least for a few more days, <laughs> as we break down an absolutely dominating performance by the visitors. Had somebody suggest to me that this might have been the greatest road trip in Vancouver Canuck history, a one-off down to the Bay Area, and the Sharks every bit as advertised. They remain winless at 0-9-1, and those Vancouver Canucks, yes, uh, the calendar has changed from October to November, but the hockey club hasn't. We're now 7-2-1 at the 10-game mark. It is pretty wild, eh, Jeff? I think we're, <laughs> we're at a point now, and I look at tonight's game, and I'm thinking, trap game potential, another test for the Vancouver Canucks. But with a 7-2-1 and one record, every test that's been put in front of them so far, and maybe tonight might have been the easiest test. This might be the one where you just have to write your name down on the sheet and you pass. Uh, but, I mean, they came out and produced. Like, this was a San Jose Sharks team that had four nights off. They're still looking for their first win. They're a team that's probably hungry to at least have one win. I uh, don't know if it really showed up in this game very much, and I think it all started with that double minor. But... This Canucks team continues to pass tests big and small up to this point in the season, and that has seven wins in their first 10 games this year. That's a, a very good start. And look, I'm like you. I saw an awful lot of the whole trap game narrative, and I think that speaks to just the trauma that this fan base has suffered over the years. And they've seen the Vancouver Canucks fall to teams that they should absolutely beat. And so, uh, yeah, the 10 and double digits for the first time in forever for this team, that's going to jump off the page. Quinn Hughes and his five points, uh, the power play going four for five. I mean, these are all talking points. But I think for me, it was the start of this game. And you mentioned Nico Sturm takes a double minor on Mark Friedman, basically pokes him in the face with a stick, draws some blood. So the Canucks on an early power play, and they put the hammer down. They scored in the first two shots on goal in this game, Fabes. I mean, th th that's what you want to do. You, you want to tell the San Jose team that is scuffling along here that this is going to be another long night, that this isn't the night that they're going to get their first win. And for a team that's averaged one goal per game and they had to scrape to get their one at the end here on a third-period power play, once the Canucks are up 2 nothing, four minutes into the hockey game, it becomes this massively steep mountain for the San Jose Sharks to climb, and then the Canucks just kept adding and adding, and uh, there was no way that San Jose was going to win this hockey game, but I love the fact that the Canucks power played their best players. They put the hammer down, and they did it early on, and Brock Besser set the tone with the one-timer, 223 oh. into the hockey game. Uh, we've seen him score some goal scorers' goals. I mean, that's been one of the things that's been exciting about Besser's start to the season and opening night and beating goaltenders cleanly. Usually the wrist shot or the snapshot, this was the patented one-timer, and my goodness, did he get everything on that. I, I was so shocked to hear on the broadcast that it was only 87 miles per hour because I thought that thing was going to be the first 100-mile-an-hour shot from a Vancouver Canuck this season. Uh, and shout out to the NHL Edge for letting me know that they haven't done that yet. You said it very early in this game, Jeff. It was 2-0, and we're thinking, okay, everything's starting out great for this team. But they can put them away with one more. Is yeah, what get you the said. next one. And if you put them away at 3 nothing early in the game, this game is over. You can put it into cruise control. You can run out there with Ian Cole and Mark Friedman and you know try and get Pew Suter and Anthony Bavillier some goals, which they ultimately ended up doing. And that is just how this game played out. This game could not have gone any better for this Vancouver Canucks team. You put up a 10 spot 
I know there was some, <laughs> there was about 10 fans left in the end oh, there for goodness. the San Jose Sharks. I mean, to touch on them for a second in this team, they are going to really have some struggles this year. And you talk, you mentioned like the social media, like they're going to have to turn and make some fun here because this is going to be a very rough year for these Sharks fans. And when there's no guy like Connor Bedard really waiting for you at the end of this, Oh, it's there's going to be some dark times. I said it was good for them that they have two tones of seating because you can't really tell which section is completely empty and which one isn't. I mean, oh, somebody pointed out at six nothing. They had tweeted once from their official Sharks account, and it was just the fact that it was a four nothing game after one period. And I'm thinking to myself, like, come on, this is where social media teams like make their hay. Like, come up with Joe Thornton's ten best moments mm-hmm. as a Shark or relive the Sharks. You know, run to the Stanley Cup final a, a handful of years ago. This is a Canucks post-game pod, so we won't spend too much time on what the Sharks should and shouldn't do on social. But yeah, just a little surprise. It is going to be a long season. That's going to be a really tough sell to a fan base that's been loyal and supportive. And the Sharks have been a pretty solid team through their time in the National Hockey League. But this looks like a dark, dark year at 0-9-1 with just 10 goals in 10 games. And a lot of people were making the point that at 10 nothing, the Canucks had more goals in this hockey game than the Sharks had all season, and then they got their one. So uh, Canucks with 10 on the night, the Sharks with 10 on the season. And the Canucks are going to see the Sharks twice more here in the month of November. So just keep that in mind, that right now the Sharks absolutely look like the free spot on the bingo card. And so for a team that's 7-2-1 and one out of the gate, they're going to see the Sharks twice in the third week of November. And again, you have to be respectful and get out there and play the game. But those look like points that they can almost bank on getting, and they'll finish their season series against the Sharks before Christmas, final game before Christmas at Rogers Arena, there are other teams that will see the Sharks late in the season. Mm -hmm. All points are good points and big points if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you're trying to stay above the playoff bar, stay with the playoff pack. And so if you get four games against the Sharks, all four of your games on the schedule before Christmas, and you take care of business there, again, San Jose's not going to win many, but they're not going to lose every single game. They will win. They will take some points Awesome team somewhere along the line. So uh, forget the trap game on this night. Uh, the Canucks did what they had to do. Full, full value for a 10-1 romp. And I think you can take the trap game off for the rest of this month. After you have a game like this and you win 10-1, to I-, I would not be worried about the San Jose Sharks coming in and being a trap team for you anymore at this point. If you know that if you just play your game and you play well, you can win 10-1, to you should know that even if you just go out there and play your game and don't play well, you're going to be able to get a win off this team. Like, I think you can avoid the trap. And you you talked about this as well, which I thought was really important and very important for this Canucks team. And especially how the past couple seasons have gone, when you're at this point in the season, you can bank those points. You mentioned it. How different is it for them to bank points against the San Jose Sharks team that flat out is bad compared to playing them in April when yeah. the points don't matter as much if the team's already out of it by then. Here, you're just getting more of a head start. It was what you were talking about, Jeff. I think it, it these points are so massive for a team that, listen, they're playing good hockey. And I'm not just saying that because I start working for them on Monday. They're playing good hockey. But I think there's still a level that you have to get to before you can call yourself a good team. And I think that comes from getting a lot of points and moving into actually having important games, whether it's meaningful games in March or whatever term you want to call it. They have to get to that point first before we can say, they're a good team because they're playing good hockey. I don't know if you can put them in the category right now of being 100% certain that they are a good team that is going to compete for a playoff spot and hopefully get an opportunity to go on a run in the playoffs for a Stanley Cup. They've got to earn something to get to that point still. 
Sure. Like, I don't think they proved an awful lot to anybody in this game other than they can score an awful lot of goals. We knew that, though. They had eight uh, on opening night. They had five the other night against St. Louis Blues. I mean, this is another game that is going to get attention around the National Hockey League, and the Canucks have done a nice job of that. Started on opening night with the 8-1 romp over the, the Edmonton Oilers, and if anybody went to bed early, wasn't paying attention on a fairly busy night around the NHL, out east, they wake up in the morning, they're going to see the double digits, and that absolutely uh, will get some more attention for the Vancouver Canucks. But, you know, more than that, it's back-to-back -back wins after the overtime loss to the Rangers. So they've responded with a pair of wins since playing well, but coming up short against a good New York team. They're 5-0-1 in their last six. So even though they lost back-to-back -back games to Philadelphia and Tampa, thought they played well enough in Tampa. Philly stands out now as the outlier in a you know, the first 10 games of the season where they just didn't have it for whatever reason. Uh, can't go back in time, but they certainly haven't looked that way. They weren't great the other night against Nashville, but their star players right now are so dialed in and so on top of their game and near the top of the NHL scoring derby as well. Elias Pettersson keeping pace with Jack Hughes. Quinn with a five-point night. I mean, think of all the great things he's done already this season, all of the attention that he is getting and then Quinn Hughes lets loose on the San Jose Sharks. He's in on half the Canuck goals on this night. <laughs> what a night. He's all over the score. She was on three penalties for Quinn Hughes. He's in the box for the one goal that was scored against the Canucks late. But five more points for Quinn Hughes, five points from a defenseman, something that we just don't see and certainly haven't seen uh, from a Vancouver Canuck defender. So, I mean, he's done so many things that we haven't seen from a guy that plays that position for this hockey club and... Uh, again, you just marvel at Quinn Hughes, but it was more than Hughes. Uh, Elias Pettersson with the, what are we calling it, the shovel? Uh, that play that he made oh. to catch the puck in midair and carry it across yeah. the blue line? Almost like a reverse lacrosse goal, but just keeping on side. <laughs> oh, like you go lacrosse on side the way that he pulled that puck back. And and I found that, to me, like it was, it was great the way the play worked out. But that is such a smart play with the offside rule about having possession. He's going in first, but he's got the puck. Like the intelligence, the skill, all of that comes to you. I know some of the video that was going around of it from a different angle down on the end wall there. It's just you watch what this guy does on a nightly basis. But to your point on Quinn Hughes, five points for this guy again. It felt like he was playing in a game that was like non-contact just for him. Right? Like, there was no shark that was going to be able to get a body on him in this game. He could spin to win on everything. Like he was able to get away from everybody in this game so easily just playing above. It's I say this a lot with AHL players who I think should be in the NHL. Like they play the game at a pace that's just faster. And that's when I think they're ready for a call up. There's no league for Quinn Hughes to be called up from when he's playing against this San Jose team. But it it actually brought up the question for you and I at one point, like how, how wonder how Abbotsford would fare <laughs> against the San Jose team. Like, you know, Abbotsford's got a pretty strong roster, but uh, uh, the Sharks have their farm team right there. The Barracuda, they just a little crosstown matchup to, yeah. to get a sense of uh, uh, where they are. Uh, by the way, Quinn Hughes up to 15 points in 10 games. So a point and a half. He's averaging a point and a half per game here through the first 10 game stretch and is a huge part, a huge part uh, of why the Canucks are where they are. Uh, I rattled off some of the numbers back-to-back -back wins. This is three straight on the road as well. You go back to the Florida win, wrapped up the road trip in Nashville, then they were at home. This is a one-off down to the Bay Area and they win this one handily as well. So three straight road victories for this Vancouver Canucks hockey club. And we touched on the start of the game and their best players getting involved uh, there have been a few games earlier this season where they weren't getting many power plays. And there's a couple things there. When you don't get power plays, obviously it's an opportunity lost to score goals. But more than that, it's 
a chance for your best offensive players to touch the puck, to get into the game, to get in a groove, to feel it. And so for Besser to score and then Miller a few minutes after that, it's 2-0, four minutes into the hockey game. Quinn Hughes makes it 3-0 at the eight-minute mark. And then Besser, another power play. And the Canucks went three for three on the power play in the first period, end up going four for five on the night. So their power play through 10 games is up over 33%. I mean, it's better than one for three right now. It's not going to stay there, but in the early going here, I mean, that's a message to other teams. If you're going to take penalties, you're going to pay. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, the power play dialed in against the San Jose team. And, and you know things are going your way when Brock Besser is able to bunt a puck out of midair. I mean, right now he's got the Midas touch and just about everything he touches is going in. Maybe he's got eight goals at the 10-game mark. Eight goals. I think you got to ask Besser. him uh, if he's going to score 30, Jeff. I think it's time to bring <laughs> it up here pretty quick. I, well, just think about it for a second. I mean, this is simple hockey math, but he's got eight goals in 10 games. Mm -hmm. So now he's got to be a 22-goal scorer over the remaining 72 games on a power play right now that is lights out good on a line that is getting it done with star power and star players that are carrying the load and guys like Besser, you know, they're holding their own. But certainly they're being helped by the performance and the play of Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. I mean, the math just adds up if he can stay healthy. And that's always been an issue with Brock as well. And for so sure. knock on wood there uh, for him. But yes, I mean, just based on what we've seen out of the gates the first 10 games of the season, his scoring rate is off the chart. He's not going to score eight every 10 games, but he absolutely has put himself in a position now to take a legitimate run at being a 30-plus goal scorer for the first time in his NHL career. And I think the thing that can add to that confidence as well is obviously the goal that he scores. That one-timer, the way he does it, he doesn't do that on a nightly basis. But when you do actually accomplish that shot, you attempt that one-timer, and you hit it perfectly, you have that feeling now next game of like, I'm going to try that again. And imagine if it works again. And what does that do for the confidence of this guy as it moves forward here? Because Brock's never been the one-timer guy in his NHL career. We've seen it yep. on occasion. So I'm curious to see what happens now moving forward with him trying to attempt it a little bit more. But what I loved, and I had it in the notes before we could really almost have to throw out our notes from this game, but the power play going three for three in the first period, how much of that is on the movement of this team, right? Like the movement that we, I don't know if, we as the media knew the answer to what we wanted to see from the actual movement, but we all talked about this for years of just start moving. And I think that's like all they're doing, right? Like they're all just not playing that one position anymore. You know, Pedersen doesn't have to rely on the one timer. We saw JT there taking one timers. We saw Brock as the net front presence. We saw him on the left half all firing one timers. All it takes is just a bunch of movement. When you have that much skill out there and you have one man more than the other team, Rely on the skill and the movement to find the mismatches, find the open shooting lanes, and that's what these guys are doing. They have so much skill when they're up a man that you just need them to find open lanes, whether it's passing or shooting lanes. Take them both. And speaking of passing lanes for a sec, we got to mention the Brock Besser bank pass to JT Miller. Yep. Like We've given Besser a lot of praise throughout this about the shooting and the confidence, but his bank pass to JT Miller... It's one of those spots where JT, you know, claps a stick on the ice, a little beaver tail to find out like, hey, I'm ready. I'm going. And then when the play works out, 10 goals for your team is great for confidence. But to me, it's about accomplishing plays like that. It's about Brock Besser hitting the one timer. I see why you maybe wanted the Canucks to challenge because it would have been Thatcher Demko getting the no, we'll, shutout. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later <laughs> we'll get on. To that. But I mean, like the moments in the game that build confidence. 10 goals is great. Yeah. But you meant we were talking about this at the end of the game. Does does. How much does the 10 matter? The double digits cool, 
But I really think it's about those moments at the start of the game. It's what you said when it was 2-0, Jeff. And you're like, they need the third one to bury them. They get that. That's the moment that helps with the confidence more than we see with them putting up double-digit goals. It's about the moments that got them to this point. That's what's going to help this team long-term. There were pretty goals in this hockey game. There were lucky goals. Sam Lafferty banks one in. We talked about Besser bunting a puck out of midair. Like, everything went the Canucks way. They worked for it. They were hands down the better team. I'm not here to suggest that this was a lucky victory, but when you're going good, things are going good. And they are getting some bounces right now that you know, they may or may not get as the season unfolds. Uh, it all rolled into a, a very attractive package in a 10-1 win over the San Jose Sharks. But to your point about confidence... Like Anthony Bavillier scores twice to make it 9-0 and 10-0. Grand scheme, those are not important goals for the hockey club in this game. But for Anthony Bavillier, who has been remarkably quiet through the preseason, I think he's played better here in the last week, has picked up a couple of points. But this is a guy that's paid to score, uh, has a track record of scoring goals in the National Hockey League, and maybe it just does take the first one and then the second one followed quickly after, and it would be nice if... You know, that got him going as far as being the, where he's playing in the lineup. It's going to be tough to contribute maybe at the rates that he would like to. But still, that first one. And to get it in his 500th game. And the Canucks uh, yeah. had a nice little feature there in the intermission. Some good work by the organization to get his parents and his brother to, uh, you know, wish him well and congratulate him on reaching 500 mi- games. An incredible milestone for anybody to reach at the National Hockey League level. So for Bovillier to get a couple and Pia Suter, we wondered. It, it, uh, quietly has played pretty well. I, I think the eye test just screams to me that he is a very good defensive player. Yeah. So much. And to see him get a goal, that's important too. And to bring out the point with Bavillier, you know, Frank Saravalli said this on our show earlier this week. He's the only guy in that bottom six who's a consistent 20 goal scorer. So he's got to be the guy leading some offense out of that bottom six and being the guy that each line, depending if he's on the fourth line or the third line, because we've seen him do both, whichever one he's on. The guy's got to be looking to him to be the scorer. The couple goals tonight are great for him in his 500. Just the confidence that he will gain from that, I think, is going to be massive for them moving forward. This this Canucks team is going to be a lot of fun to see them run into uh, Rogers Arena coming home after putting up a 10 spot for a Saturday night game. I just want to go back to Suter's goal. It made it 8 nothing late stages of the second period. Again, big picture, they were winning. Uh, it wasn't like they needed that <laughs> goal. But I love the play that he makes off the rush, to start that rush off Zadina at the offensive blue line, Pia Suter is pressuring the puck. He just steamrolls Zadina. Basically says, get out of here. Takes the puck, gets it to Quinn Hughes, who had stepped out of the penalty box. And if you're on the ice with Quinn Hughes these days, get to the net, stick on the ice, good things are going to happen. And <laughs> and he made no mistake. Like You could see that sort of 10 games of wanting that first one it wasn't just going to trickle across the goal line. Like he hammered it to the back of the net. So good for Suter. He's on the score sheet now. Bavillier in that category as well. Sam Lafferty up to three goals in the first ten games with, you know, and, and think of you know a late addition to this roster just ahead of the start of the season, uh, transitioning. You wonder like sometimes you can see a guy taking a while to find his footing, but Lafferty's been a very nice addition. I remember the day of the trade, people oh, fifth round draft pick, another pick out the window. Uh, he's better than a fifth-round draft pick right now. His contributions have been better than a fifth-round yeah. draft pick for the Vancouver Canucks in the first 10 games it of just, this season. It felt like this game, the way the goals were scored and who was scoring them couldn't have gone much better, right? It was the Stars that put this away with the first yep. four. It was Ilya Mikheyev and then Andre Kuzmenko getting five and six. Mm-hmm. And then it's all the guys from the depth, the guys who haven't scored. Like, you no, could you're not right. ask for a better script 
for 10 goals from this Vancouver Canucks team. It's strange because we have just gone through some times here in Vancouver covering this team, following this team, fans being fans of this team, where even if the Canucks were to win 10 games, like 10 to 1, it would have been, you know, Besser scoring at the end. It would have been Pedersen picking up a few, and that's all great for the stats. But to me, it's not about the stats from this game. It's about how they did it. It's about who did what when, and it's about building confidence about this team. Like, it is... It's strange to just be on the bandwagon of uh, of feeling like this team is figuring it all out, but that is what they are doing. They are passing every test in front of them, and they're doing it with flying colors 10 games into the season, and that's why they're holding on to a 7-2-1 and record. Well, and I think, too, like I, there's an excitement now because they are 10 games in, mm-hmm. and like I, I remember feeling this last weekend, too. They beat the Blues. They shut the Blues out 5-0, and it was like, okay, bring on the Rangers. Like I think they're ready for a test against a team like the Rangers. So they came up a goal short, but it evens. They outplayed the Rangers. They played really well that night and a couple of five-on-three goals, uh, whatever the case. They got a single point. They didn't get both, but they responded, went over Nashville, went over San Jose. Now you've got Dallas coming in on a Saturday night. And I'm like, serve it up. Like, I, I want this team to be tested. Now I, I kind of want them to measure themselves against good teams. And the Dallas Stars are a good team, and they beat the Edmonton Oilers in Edmonton, and so they'll come in feeling pretty good about the way that they're playing. And you know, and then Edmonton basically now trying to scratch and claw its way out of this terrible start, but that's going to be a huge game on Monday, the final visit of the season too. I mean, the Oilers were here on opening night, and on November the 6th, that's it uh, for Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl here in Vancouver. So seeing the way the Oilers are running right now, you, that Monday game is like coaching changes are going to start being talked about. If this goes bad for the Oilers over the next week, we were whispering about it <laughs> earlier today, but I mean, up to this point, like... There's a coach out there that uh, has a reputation for turning teams around by, you know, hugs and yeah. pats on the back and... And the fans joining fans in and cheering like along his them. name and... Like, wouldn't that be fun? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it would be so fun to watch the best player in the world and Connor McDavid and uh, be shown <laughs> where it is. I thought you were going to say Sam Gagne and the Edmonton Oilers coming oh. in on, on Monday. Uh, but this is a Canucks post-game pod, so let's uh, get it back on track. 10-1, the Canucks all over the San Jose Sharks. we still got our three stars of this hockey game. That's going to be a difficult decision because uh, tonight we could probably go three times uh, three stars and find nine or ten. We could get double digits from the Canucks alone. Guys that uh, deserve some consideration for the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection. We'll have our stat that stands out. And again, lots of numbers to come out out of a 10-1 victory for the Vancouver Canucks. But right now, it's time for the Betway Bet of the Day. Betway. Just two games in the National Hockey League on Friday. One of them is Philadelphia at Buffalo. And there's some value on the Flyers, who I think, I mean, they surprised the Canucks early on, but the Flyers threw 10 games for 5-1, so pushing 500 at the very least. Now, they lost at home to the Sabres on Wednesday, so this is a redemption opportunity, a revenge game, if you will. They outshot Buffalo 40-15 to in a losing cause, so they were all over the Buffalo Sabres, and that's why I say there's some value here. Philadelphia out on the road, you can get them at plus 245. On the money line, that's your Betway bet of the day. Please play responsibly. Must be 19 years of age. I can back it up, Jeff. My father-in-law, Flyers fan, he's saying they're playing the right way, and he's an old-school hockey fan. So Terry says they're playing the right way. A torch team early on, Mm -hmm. kind of squeeze it. You know, the message runs a little thin after a while, and there isn't a ton of talent there, and Carter Hart's injured. So keep that in mind, but a little value there if you're looking for value in the Betway bet of the day. 
The Vancouver Canucks were a sure bet going into San Jose. And as we said, they're going to see them twice more, the Sharks, here in the month of November, and then again the final game before Christmas. So pile on, pick up those points, put them in the back pocket. They did a nice job of that at uh, the Shark Tank on Thursday night, coming on home to take on the Dallas Stars on Saturday at Rogers Arena. 10-1, a laugher for the Vancouver Canucks. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. This is Rick White Vancouver in the wake of a 10-1 Canucks win over the Sharks down at the SAP Center. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, the quick start to the hockey game and the fact that the Stars have stepped up, and that's happened on so many nights, Chris. Uh, let's get inside the locker room. Curious to hear from a few of the principals in this hockey game. And we'll start with the head coach, who obviously had to like <laughs> just about everything he <laughs> saw. Uh, but one of the things I think that uh, really kind of jumped out at him in this hockey game was the fact that, yes... They got goals from guys like Besser and Miller-Hughes early on, but they were able to to spread the scoring, and as we talked about, get some other guys involved as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 4 or 5 nothing. You, you still want the guys to play hard. It's nice to see some guys that haven't scored to get their, you know, to get their confidence. Now maybe it loosens guys up, so that's something I'd like to see, and um, to get some other guys getting some goals, it was nice to see. So there you go. We're talking to spreading the love as the Canucks spread the offense too, and and one of Tockett's big things is you got to bring it every day. Now, you're not going to score every game. So that's not what I'm talking about. But we saw Dakota Joshua came out of the lineup, mm. and we really haven't talked about that because everything was going right for the Vancouver Canucks. But Joshua scored on opening night. He scored the eighth goal in an 8-1 win that night and really has been just a little too quiet overall. And that's because he hasn't brought it on an every-night basis. And... Again, Rick Tockett's big on accountability, and we saw him bench JT Miller. If you're not going and you're not bringing it and you're not sort of stepping up and standing out, you can't take your spot in this lineup for granted. And so I think a message sent here on a night when a Sam Lafferty, not that Lafferty's coming out of the lineup, but Stadnika or Hoaglander, those guys, you know, they want to play as well. And so they got the opportunity, and it'll be interesting to see when Dakota Joshua gets back in there. What does he take from this? Because we know that the coach has already called him out once in the preseason. Yeah, and we saw it the other day in practice as well, right? Yep. See him kind of yep. skate as the extra guy with Dakota Joshua there. And I, I, I liked what Talkett said about the players getting some goals a little bit late. Like, it, it, to me, it is players being rewarded for the hard work. The Bavillier two goals. You end up seeing Pew Suter's first goal. I think that's what he's getting at a little bit, where the team keeps playing hard. And the right guys got rewarded at the end of the game, at least. For well, even anyways. the 10 nothing goal. Remember, Garland had a great opportunity, mm -hmm. follows it up. Now, there was some pretty shoddy defending, and obviously that's been one of the hallmarks of the Sharks all season, but particularly in this game as well. But Garland wasn't quitting. The motor was running. He steals the puck and winds it up again and gets it over to Beauvillier. And at that point, you know, they're just rubbing salt in the wounds. But that's Connor, Connor Garland's in the NHL. He wants to show the coach that... You know, he, he deserves more opportunities and, and isn't letting up on plays and those types of things. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, the Stars set the table, and then it kind of trickled down from there. Speaking of Stars, uh, Quinn Hughes with just so much star power, and the Hughes brothers, too. Just imagine imagine being the parents. <laughs> uh, and, and that's not to take away from what Luke's trying to do to sort of carve a name out for himself, but Jack and Quinn right now, next level, the two of them, and a five-point night for Quinn Hughes and he talked about what we talked about, and that was send the message early to the Sharks that this was going to be a long night. 
I think that in particular our power play is just ready to go off the hop there. We haven't been too consistent yet to start the year, but we expect a lot from ourselves. So um, I'd say we set the tone tonight and then, you know, everyone was just working and didn't take them lightly. And they certainly didn't take them lightly. They didn't give the, they just didn't give the Sharks a chance. They just were here. It's a business trip. And certainly uh, those early opportunities and, and right now with the power play, the way it's dialed in and spreading the scoring there, uh, you give them an inch and they're going to take a mile. And they did that in the first four minutes of the hockey game. First four minutes and then the next 56, right? I think that's the <laughs> most right, important yeah. thing with, with what Hughes, Hughes mentioned there. I think they didn't take them lightly at all through this game. And I think even in the, I mean, the third period, I guess you can make a little bit of an argument. Like I feel like both teams kind of, I don't know if San Jose ever did press the gas, uh, but if they did, it was a little bit in the third period. Uh, I didn't think Vancouver needed to, obviously, and it was more of a let's get through these final 20. Let's not, you know, nothing after the whistle. Don't throw any massive hits. At least you still saw, like, Connor Garland was still blocking shots in the third period. And then what happens? We we mentioned, like, he gets rewarded a little bit later in the game with some points and, and his line getting some goals. Like, I, I thought that a lot of it came down to to get back to what Rick talked and Quinn Hughes kind of both said, like not taking this team lightly is massive, but just continuing to play for a full 60 isn't just in games where you're in a 3-2 battle. To be a good team, you do that in those 10-1 games. And yeah, they don't have to give 110% in the third period when there's five minutes left. But Mark Freeman was blocked a shot in the face. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, this the players were going like... Tough night for him. It was a tough, you know, a four-minute double minor to start the, the game. Face, yeah. I think first five minutes, last five minutes, right? Like, in the, I guess it would have been. So um, the the middle part, he probably loved. Uh, but uh, the first and the the end there, a little tough night for Friedman that way. But to me, it's about this team, yeah, not taking them lightly. And you mentioned, I know you said it at the start, that was the key, but they kept it going throughout the game. We'll get to the rink-wide Vancouver three stars of this game in a sec, but let's get into the locker room one last time here. And one of the storylines was Anthony Beauvillier. Anthony DeClaire, by the way, was playing his two Anthonys, playing their 500th National Hockey League games. Don't imagine that happens uh, every <laughs> night. Uh, the two guys named Anthony reach a milestone like that one. But uh, for Beauvillier, 500, it's a nice round number, obviously. But I think the bigger relief is that there's no round number now in the goal column anymore. Uh, he got his first, and then he added his second. So Bovillier was asked after the game about scoring in his 500th National Hockey League game. At that point of the game, it didn't really mean much. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to get it out of the way. And uh, scoring that 500 game was uh, pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool indeed for Anthony Bovillier up to two on the season. And we'll see. We said a streaky guy. We'll see if the, the start's a streak now. Uh, some more offense from him. He's actually on a point streak. He had had points in a consecutive games coming in. And so now... Uh, off the schneid when it comes to goals. So let's just dovetail that then into the rink-wide Vancouver three stars of this hockey game. Uh, no doubt that Quinn Hughes is star number one. I'll have to keep a running tally here because uh, <laughs> it seems like it's almost a nightly occurrence. It was Pedersen the other night with the hat trick, but their star players are the stars almost every night out, that Philly game aside. And with five points, again, Quinn Hughes doing things that uh, we just have not seen from a defenseman in Vancouver Canuck colors uh, over the years. So I don't think there was much doubt that Quinn Hughes uh, was in on the first three goals. He had assists on the first two and then scored to make it 3 nothing. So I've got Quinn Hughes as the first star, and I've got Brock Besser as the second for the one-timer alone. Oh. Like, even as the goals were being scored and they were getting up 6, 7, 8, 9, I was thinking to myself, Besser's going to be a star just by virtue of the one. Like, that thing was a work of art. I, I can't believe that was 87 miles an hour. That was absolutely ripped. 
I wonder a little bit it. about NHL Edge, quite frankly. I am yeah. questioning that Philip Ronick's got the hardest shot on the Canucks so far this season. And it's at like 92 miles an hour. And like this is Elias Pettersson that can absolutely rip them. Tyler Myers stepped mm-hmm. into that goal in Tampa. I thought maybe that one. Uh, Besser. So I don't know if the little uh, tracking chips in uh, the pucks aren't uh, quite up to snuff when it comes to the Canucks, but something seems a little off because that that felt like he got absolutely everything into that shot. And then, uh, as we said, capped off the first period scoring with his second of the night, eighth of the season. So Brock Besser up to eight goals, the second star, and I'll throw Beauvillier a little bone. Why not? It hasn't been the start to the season that he wanted individually, but he's on a team that is winning and he looks like he's having some fun and nice to see him smile and two goals in his 500th game. That's enough for me to give Anthony Beauvillier the third star of this hockey game. I like it, Jeff. A little bit of a runaway of a game. Throw the storyline a little bit of a star. I like that. Want to take a second here to talk about our friends at the Applewood Auto Group. And right now at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Langley, and Applewood Surrey, you can finance the 2023 Rogue from just 3.99%, or you can lease and finance the 2023 Leaf from 6.99%. We talk about Applewood Auto Group all the time, and you have heard us say, it's all good at Applewood. It was all good for the Vancouver Canucks. Like It all really good. was, other than the shutout that uh, didn't happen at the very end, but still, it's all about the victories, and right now, the Canucks are racking them up and uh, full value for this one in San Jose on Thursday night. So, good test coming up uh, the Dallas Stars. We'll talk more about that as we carry on. We will get to the stat that stands out. There were a bunch, and uh, big day for us here at Rinkwide Vancouver, so I want to mention that, and of course, uh, your big news is out there, but we'll mention that too. As we carry on, it's Jeff Patterson. It's Chris Faber with you. 10-1, the Canucks all over the San Jose Sharks. Oh. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Breaking down this 10-1 Vancouver Canuck victory over the San Jose Sharks. It's Jeff. It's Chris here with you. Rinkwide Vancouver Besser with a pair, Miller up to six. JT Miller has scored in four straight, and I had to look that up in the game notes, but that's the second time in his career that he's had a four-game goal-scoring streak. So I guess we can put uh, what happened the other night uh, against the Nashville Predators to bed. That's uh, old news now. Uh, Again, big goal made it 2-0 on the early power play, and just do what you have to do to take the life out of the San Jose Sharks. So you look at the 10 games, the first 10 games of the season, opening night, Miller and that line were terrific. There have been a handful of other games already. And that's why I say the game against Nashville, I don't even want to go there. That was the blip here. JT Miller with goals in four straight games now. So nice little streak for him. Yeah, he's becoming uh, a Betway player to keep an eye on the way he's scoring right now. And I think it was a quieter game for him. Yep. I'll be interested to see what Saturday night looks like, right? But in saying that, it's three more points for yeah, him as well. Right? So it's kind of funny that he's had a few of those nights now where uh, you know he hasn't m- maybe been the best player on the game of the game or in the game, but the points are following him around, and so he's getting it done. This is wild to me. The Canucks are seven two and one. Like, please take this the right way. This is not a knock. This is just a maybe. This is the stat that stands out. Let's do that as the stat that stands out. Okay. The Canucks are 7-2-1. They've got so many good things going for them. JT Miller and Elias Pettersson have combined for one 5-on-5 goal through the first 10 games of the season. Miller's got six himself. 
power play goal, shorthanded goals, a four-on-four goal, a six-on-five goal in Tampa in the late stages of that game that they lost to the Bolts. And Elias Pettersson has scored a couple power play goals, had the hat trick, the empty netter the other night. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are racking up points. This team is racking up victories. They're playing well five-on-five. And yet those two players have combined for exactly one five-on-five goal. It was Pettersson on the receiving end of the Spinorama pass from Kuzmenko in Florida the last time that uh, you and I did mm-hmm. a rink-wide post-game show. So they're going to score some five-on-five goals as this season goes along, but that is a stat that stands out to me, certainly, and I would think to some others as well, that two of your best goal scorers have combined for one five-on-five goal, and yet look at where this team is in the standings. It's crazy that they can go up from here. Right, like it is wild that they can go up from here. Right, because the power play is not going to be at thirty-three percent, so the power sure. play will drop. Yeah, but there is room for improvement in other areas, and I think that's one of them. And I, th- I think a lot of questions going into the season were about the structure limiting some of these stars at five on five. You brought up the goal, <laughs> just the goal from those two. You don't feel like their offense is is being tightened at all, right? Nope. Like you're looking at it and. Elias Patterson with five primary assists at five on five so far this season. JT Miller with four primary assists at five on five. So they're creating and not just picking up secondary assists. Like they are the primary passer on other goals. They've done that nine times at five on five this season. So yes, they've only got the one goal, but it, it is, it is a, it, it's an interesting stat because when you told me that, I had to look it up, too. I trust you, Jeff. I do. <laughs> I know you and your stats. Oh, I got fact-checked. But I was like, no, come on. Like, I, I had to look it up myself, and, and I shouldn't have. I should have just trusted you through and through, as I as I normally do. But that one caught me off a little bit, and yep. I, I was surprised to see it. And, I mean, these two, the way that they produce points at such an elite level, it feels like, over the past couple of years, Knowing that they're, you know, Elise Patterson last year at five on five was one of the best producers in the NHL. Goals, assists, points, all of it. I just get this feeling with him where it's like, yeah, I know Patterson's second in the league in points right now, but we've gone through a few games where like, oh, maybe he's a little banged up. Well, there was a question whether he's going to play in this game. And that's the thing to <laughs> me. It's like when you have nights like you did the other night with the hat trick and you come out here and he's a game time decision. Puts up a few more points tonight. It's his seventh multi-point game of the season. I know the East Coast has to go to bed, but you need to take notice of what Elias Patterson is doing here in Vancouver, quickly becoming a player that should be known as one of the best in the NHL. We talk about this East Coast thing. Like, honestly, the way that they're going right now, they are worth staying up for. It yeah. may not remain that way the entire season, but right now I would lose some sleep to watch one of the most entertaining, exciting teams in the National Hockey League. And just to finish a thought on Pedersen and Miller, Pedersen's up to 19 points in the season. He's one back of Jack Hughes. There are only three players in the league with more points than JT Miller. <laughs> Jesper Bratz, the other one, Hughes and Pedersen. So JT Miller with 16 points and Quinn Hughes at 16. The Canucks have three of the top five scorers in the National Hockey League. And Quinn Hughes in a league of his own right now, as far as defensemen are concerned, 16 points for Hughes. Five more than anybody. And when I say anybody, it's Kale McCarr. It's Adam Fox. Uh, those aren't just anybody's. Those are two of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. And Quinn Hughes has five points already on both of those two guys. Speaking of points and just going about his business quietly... Phil Hironik is a point-of-game guy as well. 
He had two helpers in this one. He's up to 10 points in his first. Like, again, they're scoring him 8 and 10. And the guys are going to get their points. I get that. But I didn't really know what to make of Philip Hironik. We only saw him for the four games after the trade. But, I mean, he has been absolutely everything that the Vancouver Canucks could have asked for him. And with 10 points in 10 games, like that's way more offense. I kind of thought of him as a 40-point guy. And, again, yeah. he'll find his level here. But if he's going to be a 40-point guy, kind of like the Besser discussion, now he only needs 30 points over the final 72 <laughs> games. I think he can get there. And if he continues to play with Quinn Hughes, he's going to rack up a bunch of points because his best move will be just slide the puck over to Quinn and let Quinn go to work. I mean, Elias Pettersson's up to 19 points in 10 games. But Brock Besser's up to eight goals. I think the eight goals has to be the more impressive stat here. We're talking about 10 games. And we're yeah, talking about I, a guy who hasn't hit 30. I mean, four is on that, opening night, obviously, is going to skew any sort right. of statistic. But what a start for him, for a guy that, you know, I think a lot of people in the market had sort of maybe moved on from this idea that he could be a 30-goal scorer. Like Everyone everybody wanted rooting, it to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, he's an easy guy to pull for. But when he gets four right out of the gate and hasn't sort of rested on that, Absolutely. And and again, the way the power play is going and the fact that I wasn't even sure if he was going to be on power play one. Somebody right. had to fill Horvat's spot, but I didn't know as a right-handed shot if that was the right fit. And he has done such a good job as a net front. And uh, the goal the other night that Patterson scored, that probably doesn't happen if Brock's not standing his ground. So eight goals is incredible, but I think he is contributing in a lot of other ways as well. And I know I asked Rick Tockett after practice on Wednesday about that because I thought against Nashville, maybe the best game, uh, not their best team game by any stretch, but the Lafferty goal you know, in the blue paint. Pedersen's first goal, Mikheyev, perfect timing of a screen, cutting through the slot. And then Besser stands his ground and then the Miller goal, again, on the doorstep, around the blue paint. Like, And look at the goals tonight. The Quinn Hughes goal probably doesn't happen if Hoaglander and Stanika, mm -hmm. you know, a double layer of screens there taking the eyes away from the goaltender. I think the Canucks are doing a nice job of that and have done a nice job of that. And I think that's one of the things that's positive reinforcement, that the more it happens, the more guys understand that good things are going to occur if you get to the front of the net, take the goal. Like, it's easy to say it's one of those hockey cliches, but it doesn't look like a lot of fun to go to the front of the net. Like, you take a beating there. Yeah, and yet the Canucks are doing it. It's not their biggest guys. And Hoaglander, uh, you know, he scored a goal in Edmonton. Is a he scored a couple of deflection goals, in fact, this year already. Getting to that area of the ice, so I think the Canucks are even in a ten-one romp. I think there were some indications too of some of the good habits that Rick Tockett's looking for coming through in this hockey game. The, those type of things, seeing your skill players go to the net. Rick Tockett coached Sidney Crosby. He saw the things that Sidney Crosby knew what he had to do to get to the next level of where, yes, he works harder than everyone. Yes, he's more skilled than everyone. Crosby probably didn't have to go stand in front of nets and be a screen on plays. He didn't have to do that. He had enough skill and enough drive and just was better than everyone else to not have to do that. But he saw what it took to win a Stanley Cup and do these type of things. I'm not saying that every player, I'm not saying Sam Lafferty, Sidney Crosby, but he right. understands at least the mentality of that. And the coaching staff, what this Vancouver Canucks have right now is, Man, we talked about it, like that Philly game. You think you're going up as a defenseman and talking to Adam Foote and he's going to be, you know, he's going to be, ah, we'll get him next time. <laughs> I don't think there's that many get him next times coming from Adam Foote and Rick Toggett, this coaching staff. And it's exactly what these players need here with this Vancouver Canucks core. It's exactly what is helping them find that next level. It's the, it's the coaches that challenge you because 
how many times have we heard from the Canucks stars about how much win, like winning is so important to Elias Pettersson? How are they going to get him there? Propping him up and giving him 24 minutes a night and playing all this power play time in the world and having really skilled wingers is one thing. But if you're challenging every player on this team, challenging ultra competitive guys is going to get them to the next level. That's just the way I see that going with this team right now. I think this coaching staff has found the right key to unlock this chest. And man, I know we're 10 games in, but how can you not be excited when we had so much time in the offseason with offseason pods and discussions at development camp and going up to Penticton and all we talked about was the freaking start and they've had the start now and they've got seven wins. How can you not be excited? Yeah, and you have the president of Hockey Ops uh, the day before training camp say, this is a playoff team if everything goes right, and then their first preseason game, they get smoked (laughs) 10-0. Mikheyev's not ready to start the season. Uh, Teddy Bluger gets hurt. Susie missed the first. Like, you know, there were certainly some questions right off the hop, and they have answered those, and here they are, uh, 7-2-1 through their first 10 games, and yeah, we're talking about all these scores and the the rates at which they're scoring. I want to take a second here to talk about Jason Hominick, Rinkwise mortgage partner. And if you have a great rate on a mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate and access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now's the time to reach out. Find them online at jason.mortgage. Couple other things I want to get to here before we wrap. And again, what a busy night with 10 goals and all these storylines. Thatcher Demko's performance gets lost in it. His family got a fair bit of camera time. <laughs> a Southern California guy who has absolutely owned this Northern California team in the National Hockey. He's 9 0 lifetime now against the Sharks. Go figure. Would have been nice to see him get a shutout. Didn't are we going to talk about it, Jeff? Well, as the goal scored, I was like, <laughs> challenge it. And you're like, mm, you know, less than four minutes to go. It's a 10-1 game. I think it's a tough one. Like I like to do it for your goalie to yeah. preserve his shutout. I I think that's where I'm coming from. I get you don't want to show off your or show up your opponents and and it wouldn't look great that way. As I saw the replay, I'm not sure that they would have won the challenge. I know Demko mm-hmm. felt pretty strongly that there was some contact, and they'll take him. I mean, he. He's there. I'm not. You know, but a little stick on the knee kind of. It did pull him out of position. But I just he did wonder. Have a half second. Reset. Even if they review it, like it, it's a bad look. But how do you even the war room? Like how do they escape? It's a ten nothing game, right? Like, I don't think that they're going to look at it frame by frame. It, it, it didn't decide the outcome of the hockey game. Uh, but this was another night. Now I know Zetterlin scored ultimately the only shark to to beat Thatcher Demko on the night. But I want to say, in the first minute of the hockey game, mm-hmm. Zetterlin was alone in front. I mean, there weren't many Canuck breakdowns, but there was one in the first minute. Again, who knows? I, I, even if he scores there, the Canucks probably are able to. But, you know, we talked about giving the Sharks some life and belief that maybe this is going to be their night. Thatcher Demko was there and ready to make that stop when he had to. And that that save leads to the double minor right off the You're face-off right. off of that spot. And... Yep. Yeah, I'm not saying that save changed the game, no. but it definitely it definitely set them up to have the game they wanted because if they would have scored on that, we're talking about a different game. Maybe well, maybe I, they scored 10, but I doubt it. I doubt they come back after being scored on one minute in and score 10 straight goals. Right. And so I just like he's been such a big part of this as well, and especially against the backdrop of where his game was at this time last year. And so shuts out the St. Louis Blues, gets the Rangers night off. 
comes back, was really good against Nashville. And in fact, gave up the two goals 30 seconds apart against the Predators, but otherwise was locked into that hockey game mm-hmm. and allowed the Canucks to chip away and find their footing and, and ultimately win there. And then in this one, makes his best save early. He's given up three goals in his last three games. Like He he is dialed in. Like We talk about the star power. You have to include Thatcher Demko in that conversation that it's not just Hughes and Pedersen and Besser and Miller, that Thatcher Demko is part of this leadership group and absolutely is holding his own when he's been called upon. And, of course, Casey DeSmith has given them the kind of goaltending. I was a little surprised, and maybe it was the lifetime record. Maybe it was... The fact that if Tockett goes with his backup, that that's a bit of a message to his team that he's taking this game a little more lightly than he could. By starting Thatcher Demko, you're sort of saying, we're going with our best here. We're going to put our best foot forward and get the two points. Casey Smith has been Mr. Saturday night. Maybe he gets the Dallas Stars on Saturday. We'll see. I certainly would have understood if they had gone to Smith in this one and kept Demko rested and ready for the Stars and then the Oilers on this quick two-game homestand. Whatever the case, it was Demko, made the stops that he had to, picks up another win, that close to a shutout. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he wants to stop everything that comes his way. Came pretty close, uh, 29 of 30. And he was busy in the third period. The Sharks said 17 of their 30 shots came in the third and final period. One last thought here on goaltending, and that is that, Capo Kakinen got zero support. Oh. And adding insult to injury, Kuzmenko scores the 6-0 goal off the rush, collides with the Sharks goaltender. Give Kuzmenko credit. I mean, he wants to score goals, but he's not out there looking to hurt anybody. And it was incidental contact. But I thought that said and spoke volumes about him as a person and his character Rather than celebrating a 6 nothing goal, he wants to make sure that the Sharks' goalie is okay. So good on Kuzmenko. But it wasn't just Kuzmenko. It was Pedersen. It was Cole. It was free. All the Canucks on the ice are there tending to the Sharks' goal. Chris, there wasn't a San Jose skater in the frame checking on their own goaltender. All skating the other way. Like, if that doesn't scream about character and the state of the San Jose Sharks. Like I forget the 10 on the scoreboard. That to me just like that's sort of my lasting impression of the Sharks on this night was they didn't give a damn about this goaltender that they had hung out to dry. And that that point in the game it's not like you're asking them to, you know, get up in Kuzmenko's face even. It's literally exactly it's what your you said. Teammate. Checking on the guy who just took a knee to the head. Incidental contact. I mean, it, he wasn't trying to. The goaltender slid a little bit extra out of the crease. We knew the game was over before that, but we knew this game was out of control after that just because there was no emotion from this team. That's embarrassing. I didn't play sport at the highest level, but I've played sport enough. That's an embarrassing moment in sports, and I don't think that should happen at the highest level of hockey. Either. That's that's why this team loses games 10-1. to 1. That's not a team thing at all there. It, it's, it's embarrassing. It is. Yeah, I'll be curious to, uh, again, this is like an Arcs post-game pod, so I'm not going to worry too much about the Sharks, but I, I, I am curious to read the quotes and hear the quotes out of their side after oh. a, a loss like this one. Uh, Vancouver Canucks, full value, full credit. It was a big night for the Vancouver Canucks. It was a big day for rink-wide Vancouver. And yes. Harris and Price and the partnership with the Nation Network and Playmaker, and I know that uh, you're getting ready to turn a page and... Start a new chapter of your career, and everybody's excited about that. But uh, 
What are we getting ourselves into? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny that I'm leaving and they're bringing in this army behind me as I'm heading out. I said, I didn't do that much of this website. But what you guys are, are doing here, I mean, Nation Network's done a great job investing in local sports coverage. Um, obviously, a lot of that started with the Oilers, Nation's crew, Oilers Nation crew and those Oily boys over there. Uh, what they did and grew that site. And Canucks Army, ultimately, I mean, it's been around for a long time here in the Vancouver market. And I know... I'm very excited to see that your work's going to be under that umbrella, Jeff. It's been there in the past. It's been some ponderings on Sundays mm-hmm. here or whatever you guys are calling <laughs> it now. But to know that they're going to get a reporter on site that's going to be Jeff Patterson, you couldn't ask for it to be any better if you ask me, Jeff. I think that, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the shoes that I'm leaving empty, you're going to fill them way more than I could have done. I, I've been saying this for a long time. I'm not just saying this in the room. You're the best reporter in this Vancouver market, Jeff. Um I'm excited to see what you do in that role with the Canucks Army. Uh, be a regular on Canucks Convo and keep going with rink wide here. But most importantly, I do think this is a huge gain for Canucks Army here moving forward. I think that it gives them legitimacy to have a guy like you who's done it for so long. Uh, I'm super excited to see what you guys are going to continue to do here. And, and as far as Nation Network goes, like I said, when you see companies supporting local sports i hope that people recognize that and want to support those companies because that's the backbone of sports media right now and the way that things are moving forward you got to support these people who are supporting local otherwise sports coverage for your city is going to disappear so i am so happy uh to see the investment that nation network's making in vancouver with you with matt and blake grady who's a star uh, but I, all the meetings that I had with Nation Network, I told them, Grady's the star of you guys. Respect to all y'all. I just called you the best reporter in the market. <laughs> Grady's the star who's coming that in. Did, that didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I'm so excited to see what you guys are going to be able to do. And it's going to be a different look. So it's almost, for me, I'm, I'm looking at a completely different Canucks Army and Nation Network on the way out here. Well, we're excited. Absolutely. And great partnership and looking forward to doing great things. And I'm sure you will as well. And I know that this was going to be a more regular occurrence, but <laughs> this opportunity presented itself for you. And we're all looking forward to seeing what you uh, can do with that, with the access that you're going to have working for the Vancouver Canucks. And that starts uh, early next week. It's uh, been fun to do the two post games that we did here. And uh, I know that uh, we'll see you around the ring. So you're not going very far, obviously, but yeah. uh Big change for you and uh, big changes for us. Yeah, interesting time, certainly, in this market. Yeah. And on top of all of that, we're covering a hockey club that wins 10-1 to on They're Thursday good, night Jeff. in San Jose <laughs> to improve to 7-2-1 and one on the season. 10 I will, games uh, in. When we cut the mics here, I'll, I'll tell you actual stuff about David Quadrelli. <laughs> I'll tell you stuff when the mics go off. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for this, and thanks for uh, your help throughout. And uh, on Sakaris and Price, as well as we said, uh, We'll see you around the ring. So it's not really a goodbye. It's kind of a so long for now. Uh, thanks to everybody for uh, checking out another edition of Rinkwide Vancouver. It was the Canucks 10, the Sharks to 1 with the Dallas Stars coming in on Saturday night. So we're looking forward to another big Saturday at Rogers Arena for Chris. This is Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to Rinkwide Vancouver.